This week on the Myths and Legends podcast, it's the famous story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, where you'll learn of some great presents to give your guests at Christmas time nasty fox pelts and a boar's head on a stick. Also, you'll see why it's healthy to always keep your appointments, even if it's with a giant green guy who wants to take off your head, which I guess is kind of the opposite of a doctor. Then, on the Creature of the Week, it's an arthritic elderly couple whose hobbies include sampling the best fruit and messing with your gastrointestinal tract. This is the Myths and Legends podcast, episode 67B, Head On. This is a podcast where I tell stories from folklore and mythology. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. Previously on Myths and Legends, we met Gawain, a knight of King Arthur's Round Table. A strange, gigantic green knight had showed up at Christmas time dinner the year before, taunting Arthur and his knights and challenging them to a strange game where the green knight would willingly take one hit from the opposition, but that individual fighter had to take the equal attack exactly one year and one day later. Gawain had stepped up, chopping off the visitor's head. But, as is fairly rare in this situation, the headless green knight had picked up his head and told Gawain to meet him at the mysterious Green Chapel, one year and one day later, to receive what he had dished out. Gawain shivered as the sleet hit his armor. He huddled around his small fire. He had to keep it small. The ogres, wolves, wild men, and dragons would be drawn to a bigger one. The only issue was that his armor was almost as good at keeping out the heat as it was keeping out enemy spears. His armor rattled as he shivered, leaning back against a rock. The last month and a half had been the worst of his entire life. But still, he froze as he heard an unmistakable sound from the darkness beyond. His night was about to get so much worse. Gawain heard the bear sniffing, even before the firelight began reflecting off her eyes. His horse was safe off to his side, the bear would have to go through Gawain first. The hungry bear had no particular problem with this arrangement and would be more than happy to eat both. As the bear lumbered into the clearing, Gawain drew his sword. Gawain had left Camelot on November 1st, All Saints Day. Though he had no idea where the Green Chapel was on the entire island of Great Britain, he figured an all-green man without a head was a less than normal occurrence, so it shouldn't be too difficult to pick up the trail. This entire year had eaten away at Gawain. He hadn't been able to enjoy the spring flowers that bloomed after winter or the night's tournaments in the summer. And as the harvest approached and the leaves began to fall, his anxiety grew. Of course, everyone agreed that he was right to be worried. Unlike the Green Knight, Gawain had a nasty dependence on keeping his head attached to his body. It was a somber feast before he left. Everyone knew, but no one wanted to talk about the inevitable. Gawain wasn't coming back. It was sad too. In the past year, the young man had matured. He had gone from being the brash, angry man who had come back with a woman's head around his neck to a sober, thoughtful, and caring knight. He was disciplined and always willing to help out. Gawain would have grown into the stuff of legends, but now, due to his honor, he had to go, seek out the green knight, and present his neck. The entirety of Camelot watched him gallop away, the autumn leaves covering his path ahead. 
He bumped into more knights along the way who wished to fight, but Gawain always won and granted mercy when it was asked of him. The wolves, however, did not ask for mercy, and they certainly didn't give any. They pursued Gawain and his horse for miles until surrounding them and forcing the pair into a fight. On his search, Gawain also killed a dragon, but that had been more by luck, chancing upon the creature as it slept. You fought knights honorably, but with dragons, you took whatever advantages they gave you. At first, Gawain kept a running mental list of all of his adventures, so as to tell his grand story upon making it back to Camelot, you know, being optimistic. But it had now been three days into the highlands without any more rations, and he realized he wasn't going back, even if the Green Knight had changed his mind. And now, of course, there was this bear. It all happened so fast. Gawain didn't have time to think about anything other than staying alive. The bear lunged, and at that very same moment, Gawain reached for his shield. The bear struck it, and the knight stabbed upward with the sword again and again and again at the bear's belly for as long as he could. With one swipe, the bear tore the shield away and bit down on Gawain's armored forearm, but it was too late. The bear had lost too much blood. Gawain spent the next few minutes prying the bear's teeth from his armor, and the next few hours resourcing whatever meat he could. Unfortunately, his success was short-lived, and he lost all of his rations the next day, when the wolves attacked his camp for the bear meat. Gawain rode away with his life, weapons and armor, but nothing else. Okay, I've learned that Great Britain doesn't have bears or wolves anymore. Apparently they haven't had bears for almost a thousand years, and wolves for just a little over a hundred years. Also, many people have written in telling me that there are no lions in the British Isles, after the Yvain story. I know, there also aren't any dragons on the British Isles. After galloping through the sleet, chilled to his bones, Gawain gave up. He slumped forward on his horse and sobbed, pleading with the Virgin Mary. If his reckoning was correct, it was Christmas Eve. He prayed for a place to go to Christmas Mass. In the horrible sleet, he could see a castle in front of him, glowing in the night upon a hill. It looked absolutely perfect. All that was missing was a grail-shaped beacon. His prayers answered, Gawain quickly found the road and rode toward the castle. In the first positive development since he had left Camelot, I mean, besides surviving several fights with all the things and people trying to kill him, the men at the portcullis quickly recognized that he was a knight of the round table and allowed him in. Gawain tried to maintain his composure, but he tore off his armor to warm himself by a fire. Feelings slowly returned to his fingers and toes, and even though it had been harrowing at times, he had survived. The servants brought in some clothes his size, and Gawain changed and prepared to meet the lord of the castle. He opened the door and was shocked by what he saw. Literally the entire castle had come out to see him, a knight of the round table. All the stately men and women greeted him, wanting to know about life in Camelot, the latest styles and all that. The lord addressed him in front of everyone, telling Gawain that he could stay as long as he wanted. He was now the guest of honor at the feast. After nearly two months on the road, this was a very nice change of pace. Gawain talked with the Lord, a tall, imposing man, who was well-spoken, and just a really nice guy who liked having Gawain there in the castle. At Christmas Mass that evening, instead of focusing on, you know, the Mass, 
Gawain couldn't help but fixate on a beautiful young woman just a few pews ahead. Noticing his stare, the lord of the castle whispered, Yeah, isn't she beautiful? We've been married for almost a year now, and I'm more in love with her now than ever. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay, Gawain stuttered. That is really, really good to know. Wow, okay, wow. Who's the woman sitting next to her? Oh, the very old woman who's covered except for her eyes, withered nose, and blistered lips? Don't worry about her, she's nobody, the lord said. Hmm, mysterious, Gawain reflected. Yeah, like I said, don't worry about it. Let's just say she's here right now so my wife's beauty and youth are all the more prominent in this poem. Well, that's, that's kind of mean, Gawain said, turning. Yeah, well, it's the Middle Ages, the lord said. What are you going to do? After Mass, the Lord introduced Gawain to his beautiful young wife and the elderly woman she hung out with for some reason. And Gawain walked along the castle between them, giving much more of his time to the younger woman. Three days of celebration passed in all, and by the third day, Gawain's anxiety started to creep back in. This short break from the hardships and general terribleness of the questing to party with complete strangers was nice and all, but he still had a date with destiny on New Year's Eve. And by destiny, I mean a murderous, not-so-jolly-green giant. When all the other guests were leaving the castle after the celebrations, Gawain made to leave too, when the lord of the castle gripped him by the shoulder. The lord was so honored that he asked the knight to stay just a few more days. Gawain said he wanted to, but told his new acquaintance all about the Green Knight at the Green Chapel, wherever the Green Chapel was. He still hadn't figured that out. And seeing as he had to go there to die in three days or live with a sense of deep and abiding shame, he should probably get on with finding the Green Chapel. The Lord of the Castle guffawed, Oh, you are so lucky. The Green Chapel? That's right up the mountain there. For real, it's like less than two miles away. You could totally hang out with us for a few days and still be murdered by the Green Knight on time. Win-win. Gawain paused. That's... I don't think you know what the phrase win-win means, but sure. I mean... I need to stay somewhere, and this place is pretty nice. It was settled. Gawain would hang out there in the castle, and a page would help him up the mountain on New Year's Day. They laughed and ate and drank late into the night, with the two ladies there as well. The Lord said that he was going out hunting the next few days, but since Gawain had a long, arduous trek getting here, he should just relax in the castle for a few days. Stay in bed, chill. I mean... It's not every year that you have to fight an invincible green monster, right? That's not something you Camelot guys do a lot of, right? No, not if we can help it, Gawain said. The Lord pitied him and told him that, as a consolation, they'd make a deal. Whatever the Lord killed on his hunts will be Gawain's. And as part of that deal, anything that Gawain finds or gets here in the castle, he will give to the Lord. It was definitely the wine, but everyone thought this was really funny and weird, so they toasted to it and agreed, and then they kept on drinking. The sunlight was bright enough for Gawain to see through his eyelids the next morning. He was somehow more tired than when he had gone to bed. Not that he really remembered going to bed, but at least he would be able to lounge for a few hours today, undisturbed. Gawain didn't know why he had woken up, though. He was still pretty tired. Then, he heard someone quietly trying to close his door and his arms prickled, hair standing on end. No one was supposed to disturb him. He still had the fight-or-flight responses of a trained knight, so Gawain cracked an eyelid to see through the veiled canopy of the bed, and saw the very nice and very unexpected shape 
of the Lord's beautiful wife. Oh, not an assassin, but maybe kind of worse. It definitely complicated things. Maybe if Gawain pretended to sleep, she would go away. He didn't know what she had in mind, but he had an idea. But he was already facing one angry bearded gentleman this week. He did not need another. So Gawain laid there with his eyes shut tight. Maybe he was fake snoring to really try and sell it. Maybe he even tried to drool a little. We don't know. He heard her move the veil aside and could feel her staring at him as he slept. All hope faded when he felt the bed shift. She had sat down on the foot, waiting for him to wake up. Gawain sighed inwardly. All right, let's get this over with. Oh, wow, what are you doing here? Gawain said in totally believable surprise. You really spooked me. Golly gee. The Lord's wife laughed at his shock. She scooted closer to the knight, who was sitting up in his bedclothes. She said that it must be pretty unsafe for him out on the road. If someone like her could slip in here, she could have been a bandit catching him unaware. She grabbed his wrist. Now that I have you, she said, we better come up with an agreement, or I'll bind you to your bed. She was pretending to be a bandit. Gawain chuckled awkwardly, but could see that she was still showing a sly smile. He paused. What are we talking about? I'm not really into... Uh, what? But she didn't stop smiling. She only scooted closer. Gawain had a second idea. We should play along. Verily you have caught me, a knight, he said, and I am your humble captive. Surrender is my best and only choice. I beg your leave as my new master that I might get out of this bed so that I, too, may take more enjoyment in our witty repartee. He sat back, that should do it. Uh, no, the lady of the castle said, and slid her hand around Gawain's other wrist. Okay, just, uh, no, that's it? That's all we're going with? Okay. She said, yeah, she had the knight here, the one that was worshipped everywhere he rode, and she would take her time with their conversation. Besides, there was no one to interrupt them. Her husband and all the nobles were off hunting. She had cleared the servants out of his hall, and no one expected him for hours. Gawain asked about all the ladies-in-waiting, and servants that were always hanging around her. The lady laughed. Oh, them. Yeah, she locked them in their rooms before they woke up. They'll be fine, but they aren't coming up here. Now where were we? Oh, yeah. She was saying how she was excited to spend the day with the best, most honorable knight there was. Gawain said, well, you know, I did cut off a woman's head and wear it, so maybe I'm not all that honorable. Better let me go. The lady told him that none of that mattered. There were scores and scores of women who would do anything to be where she was now, and she wasn't going to waste it. There was no lord living who was better looking or more noble than Gawain. Gawain cocked his head. But wasn't she married to a lord? She said yes. Yes, she was. They kept talking and Gawain kept steering the conversation away from how much better looking he was than the lady's husband. He was more guarded here than when he decided to camp out in a hostile fortress in last week's episode. She became fed up with him at last and abruptly stood, saying goodbye to the imposter. He couldn't possibly be the real Gawain. The real Gawain would never sit by so long and not crave a kiss. You know, out of courtesy. So, this may sound weird to everyone, but courtesy and courtly love were important parts of these stories, and according to the literary idea of courtly love, the lady of the castle might not be wrong in her attempts to persuade Gawain. I'll break it down. Basically, 
Courtly love was the love between a knight and a married noblewoman. It wasn't platonic, but it also might not have been physical either. The married woman could give the knight a token of her affection, and the knight could essentially be in love with the married woman and do various things for her, but neither of them would act on it. Maybe. It also doesn't appear to be something that was out in the open, which is why the lady in today's story locked her servants in their rooms, which I hope they have a way to go to the bathroom. It's a super complicated topic, but for the night, it's a tightrope walk between loving and showing respect for the lady and, in this situation, also being chaste, honorable, and chivalrous toward your host by not consummating an affair with his wife. It's unclear to me whether what will happen in the Lancelot story is a warning about the dark side of courtly love or the logical conclusion of two people playing with fire, or both. Anyway, all that to say, the lady wouldn't be completely out of bounds by French medieval literature standards in asking for a kiss or even in this whole scene, though I definitely get the feeling that she isn't into the tightrope walk of courtly love and would like a little more than pleasant conversation. Gawain sighed. Okay, so be it. If you, the lady of the castle, are asking me to kiss you, then I will kiss you and adhere to the custom of courtesy. She leaned in, kissing him, and while Gawain no doubt thought it was very enjoyable, he was also resolute that it would stop at a kiss. So when they stopped, and she looked at him like, hmm? He gave her a face that said, that was nice, but that was all. Seeing as it was almost the afternoon and, well, her morning hadn't gone as planned, she smiled a polite smile at Gawain and left without another word. When she was gone, Gawain finally exhaled. If you think Gawain's day just can't get any more awkward, well, just wait for dinner. But that will be right after this. All right, now back to the show. The rest of the day passed uneventfully until, well after sunset, the Lord returned from his hunt. He laid out the venison before Gawain and told the knight that it had all belonged to him, per their agreement the night before. Now, what had Gawain earned today? Hanging out in the castle, he said, half-jokingly. But what are you doing, Gawain? Gawain was wrapping his arms around the Lord's neck and giving the man a big kiss right there in front of all the lords and ladies. Huh. You had an interesting day, the Lord said, when Gawain stopped kissing him. Hey, so, obvious question, where did you get that in my house today? Gawain had thought about this question all day, and he had an answer. No comment. Their deal was that they would exchange what they got. Not that they had to talk about where it came from, or who was kissing who in the man's house. The Lord said, fair enough. All right, everyone, time to eat. Gawain woke up the next morning. Seriously, again? Yes, again. The lady of the castle was sitting on his bed, still wanting him to break some nightly duties to fulfill others, or fulfill some to break others. It's all very confusing. But she tried extra hard that morning to convince Gawain to accept her love, but the night was as guarded as ever. They parted with only two kisses early that afternoon. Well, you can guess what happened that night before dinner. The Lord came back, 
and Gawain learned that he had spent all day nearly dying after wrestling a boar with his bare hands and then stabbing it to death when someone threw him a sword. What did Gawain do all day? The Lord asked. Oh, all right, I can see you're coming in for more kissing. And yeah, they agreed to the same deal as the previous day. The Lord said that he was still very curious as to who Gawain was kissing in his house, but no, still not talking about that? All right, everybody, enjoy this boar's head on a stick. It was an awkward dinner party, the lady of the castle spending all of her time next to Gawain, but Gawain being too polite and courteous to rebuff her completely. The Green Knight made Gawain kneel. Gawain was shaking uncontrollably. The massive green man laughed at his opponent as he hefted a matching green battle axe over his head. Gawain was breathing heavily. This was it. His panicked mind raced. What would death be like? Would his years of piety, punctuated by brief yet horrible mistakes, amount to anything? The Green Knight hefted his axe above his head and brought it down on Gawain's neck. The knight snapped awake in a cold sweat. He sat up on his bed with a start and found himself face to face with the lady at the castle who had been watching him sleep this time. They went through their usual back and forth, but it was obvious Gawain was preoccupied. I mean, he was going to die tomorrow. The lady asked for a token, something to remember him by after he left when her longing for him was too strong. He said he was sorry, but questing by himself in the middle of winter to certain death didn't give him a lot of extra room to pack. He didn't have anything worthy of her. She said, okay, she saw how it was. I mean, it's a little discourteous, but he could make it up to her by accepting a token of her affections. She pulled out a red gold ring with a ruby on it. Oh, really? Wow, like, I am honored. Really, Gawain said. But I can't accept that. I get that you're in love with me, and I think you're all right. But that's too much. Okay, 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 the lady said, putting away the ring. I have something else for you. And she started taking off her belt. Okay, I'm sorry, we've been over this, but no thank you, your husband... Wait, what, what? No, no, not that, the lady insisted. I want to give you the belt. I wasn't thinking that. Unless... No? No. Okay, but yeah, my belt. It was a green belt trimmed in gold, and it looked just like a simple silk belt. Gawain didn't see anything special about it. He supposed he could accept this from her, but she continued going all used car salesperson on him, saying that this just wasn't some ordinary belt. Whoever wore this wouldn't lose any blood and couldn't be harmed in battle. Okay, that's good. What? Gawain stammered. Yeah, she said. You can't be cut, burned, crushed, or drowned while you're wearing this belt. So, you'll take it? Oh my gosh, Gawain said. Way to bury the lead for three days straight. Yes. Yes, I'll take it. Oh my gosh, thank you. This belt will keep me from being murdered by a hairy green guy tomorrow morning. She pressed it into his hands and pushed him back on the bed, kissing him not once, not twice, but three times before he stopped her. She said, wait, Seriously? She was going to give him a belt to save his life tomorrow, and he wouldn't even... He said, no, sorry. It's not that he didn't want to, but he was a guest in her husband's house. Also, she was married. She sighed, all right, you can keep the belt. Just don't tell my husband about it. I'll see you at dinner. 
Burgoyne spent the rest of the day in a much better mood, though he did go to confession, you know, just in case. That night, the Lord returned again. He didn't have an awesome dead deer or boar's head on a spike, just a nasty little fox fur. It hadn't been a good day. Gawain cheerfully said that it had been a great day for him and didn't think anything about planting three kisses on the Lord. The Lord wiped his mouth. Three kisses this time, huh? Hopefully that's all? The image of the green belt flashed in Gawain's mind. He got serious. Yep, yep, that was definitely all. Nothing else to give. All right, the Lord said. Well, here's your nasty little fox skin. It's New Year's Eve. Let's party like it's 699. Despite his get-out-of-death-free card green belt, Gawain did not sleep well that night. No more dreams of the green knight, but still, he tossed and turned. He was restless, and eventually he just got up and got dressed. He looped the belt around his clothes, donning his armor over top. He woke the page that was to guide him to the top of the mountain, found that his horse had been well cared for, and was ready to go. In the bitter chill of the first morning of the new year, Gawain stared at the castle glowing in the morning, his breath visible in the air in front of him. He sighed deeply, riding off with the page toward the hilltop to the green chapel. You know, if you wanted to just not fight the green knight, no one would really have to know. You seem like a good guy, and I would be totally cool with you not going up there and dying. Really, no one ever comes back from that place. You wouldn't even have to bribe me for silence, though, I mean, if you wanted to. Gawain smiled. He said he'd be fine, but thanked the page for his offer to let Gawain flee in terror. It was very nice of him, but Gawain wouldn't live in shame in some remote region. He would face this monster. The page shrugged. It was Gawain's funeral. Literally. He let the knight ride up the path to the green chapel toward his not-so-certain doom. Oh, I get it. Green chapel. And that there's no chapel just a bunch of trees and a grassy mound. Very clever. Coin said to himself after sunrise, as he waited for the Green Knight to arrive. And arrive the Green Knight did. From across the river, Gwen heard feet pounding on the ground, watching the same half-giant he had cut one year and one day ago, bound toward the mound. Gwen was surprised when the giant didn't splash through the river but planted his massive axe and pole vaulted across the water, which, yeah, a little showy, but impressive nonetheless. The green knight, towering over Gawain, had to admit that he was impressed by the regular-sized knight's punctuality. Not many men would willingly show up on time for their own execution. No point in talking, though. They were both here for one thing, and they might as well get on with it. The Green Knight demanded Gawain remove his helmet and kneel on the ground. It was like out of his nightmare. And though Gawain trusted in the belt the lady had given him, it was still pretty frightening to have a gigantic man swinging an axe at your neck. The Green Knight raised the axe above his head and brought it down upon Gawain, halting an inch from his neck. Ha, you flinched, the Green Knight shouted. What? Yes, of course I flinched, Gawain said. You're bringing an axe down on my neck to kill me. If there's a flinch-worthy thing, this is it. Why'd you stop? 
to see if you flinched. And you did. You totally flinched, the Green Knight said. Okay, whatever, just get on with it, Gawain said. And the Green Knight did get on with it. And by it, I mean another fake out. He stopped the axe barely an inch from Gawain's neck. But Gawain hadn't flinched this time. He was just more annoyed. The Green Knight said that at least Gawain would die with a whole heart, a true knight. Gawain told him to just seriously get on with it. The Green Knight sneered and raised his axe again. Without hesitation, he let it fly, bringing the axe down hard. And this time, he hit fully with as much force as the Green Knight could muster. Gawain felt a sharp sting, and the axe just barely cut into his neck. But that was it. He didn't know if he would get the full force of the blow and just not be cut, in which case he might just die anyway from a broken neck, but nothing of the sort happened. The axe simply bounced off of him. The Green Knight had to jump back to get clear of his own axe. And Gawain took this opportunity to grab his shield, and he pulled his sword free. His oath fulfilled, it was on, and he would not go down without a fight. But the Green Knight was laughing? Ah, put your sword away, little guy, the Green Knight told him. He meant no harm, well, other than trying to cut Gawain's head off today. But he knew that wouldn't happen. After all, Gawain was wearing the belt the Green Knight's wife had given him. Gawain was confused, and the Green Knight explained. He was the Lord Gawain had been staying with for the past three days, disguised in green by a sorceress he'd tell Gawain all about. Basically, the first two fake-outs represented the two days the Lord's wife had tried and failed to seduce Gawain. That third one, that actually drew a little bit of blood from Gawain's neck, was representative of the lie that Gawain had told him when he kept the belt. A small lie, a small cut. Fair is fair. Wait, you knew about the whole thing with your wife? Gawain asked in disbelief. The Grey Knight slash Lord laughed harder. Knew? He commanded her to do it. It was all fake. What? Okay, first, you two should have a talk because she was really convincing. And second, how do I put this? What is going on? Gawain demanded. Oh, all this was just to test how honorable a knight you are, the Green Knight explained. It's kind of my thing. I only have like two hobbies. One is testing knights' honor, chastity, and bravery, and the other is killing animals and coming home to be kissed by strangers. It's really nice when they can converge like this. Gawain chastised himself. Test? Uh, if it was a test, he had failed. He hadn't honored his commitment to give the Lord everything he had received. He had been cowardly. Yeah, but it was to save your own life. And you still came up here, so you still get points for that. I put you at like a B minus. I mean, not great, but passing. Seriously, don't worry about it. We're good here. We actually don't have anything against you. You can leave alive and, hey, I'll throw in the green belt too. Wait, what do you mean, we? Oh yeah, well, I'm the lord of this castle, but even I serve someone, he said. He grew serious. Her name is Morgan, Morgan Le Fay. Lord continued, his eyes fleeting about the hillsides, as if her name alone contained power. She's a sorceress, he said, and a powerful one. One who, if she tells you to put on a green disguise and to go to the court of a king so you can be beheaded, you do so, without asking why. But you said I wasn't the target. Who was? Gawain asked. It was Guinevere, the lord slash green knight said. 
She bitterly hates Guinevere and wanted to frighten her to death with the whole Green Knight thing. Oh, okay, that seems like a kind of convoluted endgame, Gawain said. Like, she just hoped Guinevere would be so scared by seeing you beheaded but still alive that she'd just die? I guess, the Green Knight said. Look, I don't make the plans. I just go to the courts of powerful kings in disguise to be fake beheaded in hopes that queens will drop dead from terror. Anyway, you're free to go, buddy, but really, I had a lot of fun hanging out with you over the past few days. Let's do this again next year. <laughs> well, not this, he said, looking at the axe. But yeah, you, me, my wife, and Morgan can all hang out again next year and laugh about the time my wife tried to fake seduce you and I tried to fake murder you. Yeah, let's, uh, I'll see what I have going on. It's, it's been interesting. I'll see you around. Actually, I never really got your name. Oh, it's Bertilac de Hot Desert, the Lord said. So don't worry about remembering it. I barely come up again in the Arthurian legends. The return trip to Camelot was a lot easier than the outgoing ride, and Gawain arrived in just a few days, to the surprise of everyone in town. Aren't you supposed to be, you know, dead? They asked. Gawain shared his grand story with the court, but despite the amazing twist of not dying, he did hang his head in shame over lying to the Lord about the green belt. People assured him, no, really, we would have all done the exact same thing. And as a show of solidarity, they all donned green slashes for their beloved and very much not dead, Gawain. Everyone celebrated the young knight's return. All except Guinevere, who sat suddenly very pale at the mention of Morgan Le Fay. She and Arthur turned to each other, their eyes locked, registering the same horror. That's right. Morgan was back. That's it for this week. Next week, we're going to step away from Gwen and I'm actually going to talk about Morgan Le Fay, a really awesome female anti-hero from the Arthurian legends. I want to say thanks to Big Willy 414, Miss Holly Marie, RPS 815, TDB1672, Superchuck, Smarty1512, Nell0, Conjunctivlug, EstherRH, Bellalalala, 3, FJFOP, Groove24, Emendre, ADJ1999, Chris Mick, and MN Dullahan for the reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to leave a review, Apple Podcasts is the best place, and you can find the show there at itunes.mythpodcast.com. And there's also a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a book called Crafting with Cat Hair on Amazon, you can get extra episodes, source-back ebooks, and ad-free versions of the show that, unlike a tote bag crafted from cat hair that makes my eyes itch just thinking about it, the episodes won't give you a bunch of open seats next to you on the bus. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more info on the membership. The creatures this week are Churn Milk Peg, and Melch Dick from England. When you're dating someone, it's important to have some common interests. Sports, books, movies, games, whatever. It's probably good to have some common ground. Churn Milk, Peg, and her husband, Melch Dick, really only have two interests, but they're strong enough to define their centuries-long relationship, smoking and eating delicious nuts. These two are elderly fairies that have spent their entire lives just moseying from tree to tree to eat the best nuts. They have no regrets, but they do have some strong opinions about you 
hanging around their trees. They pretty much keep to themselves, though they like and respect fellow nut connoisseurs. If you, like them, pick only the most appropriate nuts, you won't have a problem. If you don't choose wisely, well, they're also magic, so watch out. Kids running into the forest to pick nuts before they're ready are oftentimes the targets of churn milk peg and melch dick. If the couple catches the child about to pick an unripe nut, they will start pinching. You can run away pretty easily because apparently the pair suffers from horrible arthritis. If, though, the child is undeterred, then the sinister fairy couple will bust out the big guns. Indigestion. Yep, if you pick a nut before it's ripe, they'll just give you an uncomfortable evening of bloating and stomach cramps. That's it. Churn milk peg's name comes from people calling nuts that aren't ripe yet churn milk nuts. I don't know where Melch Dick's name comes from. So yeah, if your produce is accompanied by phantom pinches from an arthritic fairy couple who just wants you to leave the nuts alone until they're ripe, maybe don't eat it. Or do, and grab a bottle of Pepto-Bismol and settle in for a mildly uncomfortable night. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Today's episode was written by me, Jason Weiser, and produced by Carissa Weiser. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.